Hello and welcome to Just Make a Thing, a podcast for people who want to start a thing and keep on making it. My name is Claire Tonti and I am your host and this week I'm joined again by my wonderful friend Chanel Luchev. We deep dive into pregnancy, into what it is like to quit your job and that kind of scary prospect of creating a human as Chanel is really close to having her baby. We also talk about something very close to my heart, which is the environment, and we have a look at some ideas for a new thing to make very soon. This episode is for anyone who is about to embark on parenthood or who has gone through that looking glass, um, and it's interesting to hear what Chanel has to say. Okay, hope you're having a great week. Talk to you soon. Okay, we're done. Hello. Oh, hello. There. Hello, Chanel. How are you going, Claire? I'm good. How are you going, pregnant woman? Oh, I'm all right. I finished work on Friday. Oh, my gosh. I know. It's so strange. How does it feel? Before we get into other things, how does it feel finishing work? Because you had a lot of anxiety around finishing work. I did. I had lots of anxiety the last time we chatted, and then a week and a half ago, my boss got let go. (gasps) So then I had more anxiety. Whoa, because the anxiety is what? About the fact that you then may not have a job to go back to? I think there was something about perhaps feeling secure and supported by all of the networks that I'd spent eight years making. (laughs) Perhaps. And then there was like a massive restructure announced a week and a half ago and quite a few people, a lot of whom I've known for a long time, all got let go, including my boss who's just a wonderful man and I just had a really great relationship with and it was all very sudden and I just cried a lot and I came into the office and I just looked I think people just thought oh look at that hormonal pregnant lady she's emotional about something (laughs) and I was but it had nothing to do with the pregnancy it was more just the shock of everything and then I had to deal with them appointing an interim person who I've met before but don't know very well and the fact that nobody knows how to do my job except for me and my boss who is no longer there. So there was just a lot, you know. Just (laughs) just a few of those things. There was just a lot of panic and anxiety for them around how they would now manage their work because they don't know any else. Yeah. And while they were fully supportive and great about everything, I can understand their stress and I tend to absorb their stress like a stressed shamwell, you know. Uh, I was going to say sponge, but shamwell (laughs) is an even better word. And then the the other team I deal with, they were also quite shocked. And I mean, everybody was aware that I was going on maternity leave, but nobody was worried because my boss was going to be there and now he's not. So, yeah, so I'd kind of – and there was just a whole bunch of other things. It wasn't – look, it hasn't been the greatest week and a half, I have to be No, because you also just like above all of like the nitty-gritty of your Mm. actual job, which is super important. Mm. The other layer of that was that your identity as a human being you were talking about is very much – hello, podcast dog (laughs) – connected in – She's having a feud with the dog next door. I see. Yeah, she likes to bark a lot. Is the dog next door a jerk? Yeah, well, well, I've never met it, oh, okay. but I feel like it is yeah. only because I'm on the podcast dog. <laughs> As and, you should be. Yeah, and that dog barks and then it starts like a ripple effect through the neighbourhood. <laughs> so there's a whole lot of dog language I don't understand. Anyway, yeah. you were saying that on top of all of this mm. is that your identity as a person, you know, someone in industry, you've worked a really long time, you've developed this career and 
all of that stuff. Yeah, well. and I mean, and then like, stopping work is huge. Yeah, and on a, like a basic level, like that has been my routine for thirteen years as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Every Monday, yeah. Monday to Friday, every day I get up, I go into work, come home, like like you know, most women my age who don't have who who don't have kids or. I guess we have office jobs, like you have the very set routine and now my routine, I don't know what my routine is. Yeah. I don't know. I'm confused. Like today I actually didn't do very much. I got up and my darling husband made French toast and then I slept on the couch for an hour and then I watched about eight episodes of The Mindy Project. <laughs> Which is the best. It's so oh, good. It's so good. And that's basically all I've done, which is weird, you know. I mean, it is a Sunday. It is too. But you're right. That could you could do feasibly do that tomorrow. I could. Well, the thing is, everyone kept saying on your first day of actual maternity leave, you should do nothing. But I don't. I think I'm going to get really antsy. I mean, I can't do much without getting tired. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. See, that that is the that's the nutshell. That's the crux of it, really, isn't it? But they're absolutely right. And we also got. In the last two weeks, we've got a whole bunch of baby stuff and it's just very overwhelming now because we had an, I had an amazing shower. Yay! It was so great. I haven't put any pictures up online of it, but no. I think I will. I want no, to ask totally your permission. Go for Can it. I do that? Okay, yep. cool. Yeah, because we had a baby shower at our house. Oh, my God. It was so Sunday amazing. Residence. And then I couldn't even go in that room that you beautifully decorated because <laughs> it made me cry. <laughs> I was like, Which, I just can't go in there. I wasn't. I said to Shelly on Twitter, I'm like, is that a good thing that we made her cry? She's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Because Chanel's like, it's so beautiful in there. I can't go in there. I will yeah. never go in that room. <laughs> never again. It's too beautiful. <laughs> it was so amazing, though, to see that team of women. Like, aren't women amazing? Oh, they're they so do? amazing. They're I so amazing. Yeah, I literally just stood in the house that I lived in and your <laughs> friends and your sister all swooped in and did all this, like, amazing stuff. So beautiful. But it just goes to show if you want to get stuff done, just get an army of women to get it done. Amen, <laughs> sister or something. Oh, no. But, yes, I totally agree. And yeah. the way women support each other and all of that stuff. Yeah. No, it was, awesome. so, it was so lovely. And even though it was like what felt like the first official day of winter. <laughs> yeah. It was so cold. It just didn't stop raining for like – 12 hours. Yes, it was like winter is coming, Chanel. Be warned. Winter is the baby. Winter is coming. It was just, yeah, it was so lovely. And then we had a little housewarming at our place and then the fun continued. Oh, it was amazing. We nearly burnt your house down, but it was the best house party. And your husband, Goran, did the best spit of roast. Yes, it was delicious. Meats and delish. Yeah, we just, yeah, everyone, it's just so nice. I think really excited and somewhat terrified and I'm just uncomfortable. But other than that, (laughs) I'm good. Good. That is good to know. Sorry, that went down really quickly. No. No, but being tired is a real thing. (laughs) Yeah. So here is my two cents for you. Yes, Share. I think that it takes a while for your brain to catch up to the fact that you need to be on maternity leave for your body. Yeah. That's how I felt. Like I was so – because you're so invested in work. I was so invested in my work. I stopped working, but my brain was like – 
what do you mean? There's things to do. There's tasks to do. Mm. But my body was like, if you physically keep doing anything else other than shoveling food in your face and lying (laughs) on the couch, you will be in serious strife. Yes. Well, I think my physio was telling me that back in the heyday, and obviously it was probably a terrible time for women after 12 weeks or even beforehand, women finished up at work. And then with the next generation, it was somewhere in the middle of the second trimester. And she's like, this thing where women work until like basically their due date or close to their due date, it's a relatively new concept. And for various reasons, people do it. But she was saying, you know, there's a reason that you have to stop working. She's like, you get that right. Like walking from, you know, one end of the street (laughs) to the other becomes a hard task. Like I learned yesterday that it takes a very long time to change the doona and the sheets and things on my bed. I had to sit down and rest halfway <laughs> through it. So um, she's like, you have to rest. Your body needs to rest. You're running out of room because, you know, I kept saying to Goran, there's no room left at the end. She can't get any bigger. <laughs> Just tell her and she won't. Yes, yeah. exactly. There's no more room. <laughs> But that's so true. Mm. I do think that there has to be a happy medium because I think there's an expectation on women that now that we can work mm. for however we long we want to at pregnant, that then we should be pregnant and not have it affect anything to do with our lives yeah. or our professional lives and we should it should not even register. So we should work like we're not pregnant yeah. until we pop out a baby and then snap back into our old selves and six weeks later be perfectly fine. Well, this is the thing. You know? It's sort of like... On some level, and I don't know whether it's just me, but I think because we have to take all other kinds of life stresses in our stride, and especially at work, you meant to leave your personal life aside to be professional, you almost have to pretend like you're not pregnant. Yes. Mm. We're like, how are you going? I'm like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, I'm always fine, you know, and I am generally. But, you know, I could be sitting in the middle of a board meeting and being kicked in the side <laughs> the other day. I was like, I felt like there were two feet on the side of my stomach stepping on my organs. <laughs> and I was like, this is very hard to concentrate. <laughs> and that's the thing, isn't it? I remember teaching in the classroom. I was halfway through a sentence and then my son now that I know and love and adore, did a belly flip. Like he just completely decided that was the moment to go from being head up to head down. And so my whole stomach did like a flip flop in the middle and I actually, I did kind of go (gasps) and Mm. then stop for a minute and the kids were all wondering what the hell's going on with the teacher. I was in the middle of teaching fractions or something. (laughs) And yeah, it was really intense and Mm. I agree. And that this leads back to something that I really believe Mm. that the separation between you as a human being at work and at home, I think he's kind of false. Yeah. I think that yeah. we should be able to, I mean, you need a level of professionalism, particularly in particular jobs. And I mean, teaching was exactly the same. Your oh, role of course. would be true. It's the same really for every. Yeah, yeah, it is. But I do think there becomes an issue when we forget that we're human beings mm. that have needs and when employers and workplaces aren't set up to enable people to also be themselves mm. to a certain point, you know, and mm. be, and support and nurture their employees too and their well-being. Because I think, yeah, ex- I agree exactly with that, that you can then end up sitting in a meeting and feel like you can't be like, I have someone dancing on my organs, yeah. <laughs> guys. You know, you should be able Could to Could you just supported. repeat that sentence? Yeah, <laughs> correct. I'm just busy growing a human being. <laughs> Nothing serious, you know. That's the thing. I just think women are so kick-ass and amazing. Mm, yeah. And, and like, yeah, the stuff we have to put up with, I think. Yeah. Yeah. 
I know. I got really mad today. This is going to sound ridiculous. I was mm. sitting mm. waiting for my um, takeaway coffee in my keep cup because mm-hmm. I'm all about the environment Good now. One. now. Mm-hmm. Well, not now, but, you know, more so now. And mm. um, I was waiting for my coffee and I looked out and there was like a group of blokes. They were all probably my age, maybe mm-hmm. mid-30s. They'd just obviously been like doing some kind of bicycling because they were all in cycle gear and they kind of the mammals the mammals yeah oh i guess they might have been younger than middle-aged no they were they were like 35 so pretty young guys Mm -hmm. so i don't know but they were in lycra Mm -hmm. but they were all kind of sitting around somewhere in trackies kind of man spreading around they look so comfortable in their own skin and i and one of them had one of their kids there Mm -hmm. and i just looked around i thought they're probably young dads or that kind of age group and Mm. they look so happy and chilled out (laughs) and fit they all Mm. look really fit and not that women can't be fit but it just occurred to me i was like you could have pregnant wives at home you could have newborn babies Mm. and you could just look like that you just sit there your body hasn't changed in fact you like get more muscular probably and i know also there's a dad bod thing that does happen and dads do incredible amount of work too but it just suddenly occurred to me i was like life and they're all white as well Mm. i'm like life's so much easier for you guys isn't it I can tell. It's just emanating out of you. Yeah, and I think most guys that are aware of it, like uh, what's the word, woke? Do, woke? do people still use that word? I don't know. I it's don't probably know. it's probably circa 2016 these days. Correct. We but don't use that word anymore. But that's where all my references come from. But, but, I mean, most of like most of my husband's friends are very aware of the fact that they're like, privileged. Yeah, they're just like, yeah, I'd hate to be a woman. It sounds like really <laughs> harsh. <laughs> I know. James said that to me, my husband, man, the other day. Yeah, because I was complaining and I literally, there was some gut reaction in me today when I saw them that I actually it made you angry. Wanted to be a man. Mm. I actually wanted to be a man. Not like, not that I, I am a cis woman, mm. I'm straight woman, but mm. I was just like, it just seems so much easier. I, and I get don't that, know totally. if that's true because I do think there is so much strength that women have in our friendships, in our ability to cope with things. Mm. I mean, we're so, and this is all generalizations, but often very emotionally intuitive mm. and we talk yep. a lot more. Our friendships often tend to be a lot deeper in mm. some ways. And so I wonder when things go wrong, we've already got tools in place. Yeah, I think absolutely. There's a lot of, we build a lot of mental and emotional resilience and we learn that that's a normal thing to do from a very young age. So when you become an adult and you've got issues, you find better ways of coping. I think, yeah, men tend to be, and again, massive generalisation, but less mentally tough. So when stuff does go wrong, if they haven't developed coping mechanisms, things go horribly wrong, you know. Yeah, yeah, they do. And the statistics do show that. You yeah. Know, like the rates of suicide and things are through the roof. Yeah. Um, particularly yeah. comparatively to women. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And there is also, you know, violent crime mm. and, all, and all those statistics that we know about for men. So it's not that it's necessarily easy for men, but I do think – their bodies aren't constantly on a cycle. Mm. And I sometimes there's a great – I keep raving on about Fleabag by Phoebe mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. So great. <laughs> but she, there's a line and I there's a line in there where she's speaking to this older woman um, in a bar and she's just been through menopause and she just said, after menopause, I just feel like a person. I no longer feel like – someone with moving parts, like a machine with moving parts on the cycle. So I can just be free to be a person with no merry-go-rounds. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I heard that and then part of me was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) 
And then the line on the men, Phoebe said, but I thought that menopause is terrible. And she's like, oh, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> but once you get over it. Then it's great. Then it's great. <laughs> and you sort of become your power or something. Yeah. But it did occur to me. I talked to James about that. I said, what does it feel like to just be wake up and, you know, whether you've slept or you can just put into your body extra sleep, more food, calming stress, and then you wake up and you're pretty much the same. Mm. And he's like, yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> it was an honest answer right. i guess and look i know there's also so much power in um the way that women are built and designed but sometimes it looks easier being a dude oh totally for lots of reasons yeah, yeah. i mean i think for example um so and this is a terrible sort of um example to use but even with my boss who's a guy he's got young children he doesn't like now he's and he's in a situation now where he has to go and find another job and that would be terribly stressful with a family to support but the reality is because of the way that we see stereotypical roles for men and women in the family in the nucle- nuclear family he is available to work full time and go to go to any place and work whatever hours that are necessary in order for him to make sure that he has a livelihood and can continue to support his mm-hmm. family I think I had a thought about this after everything, sort of I had a, had time to sort of contemplate everything that had happened and I was like, yeah, well, if I lose my job, I'm restricted by the amount that I can work because at least in my mind I don't have an intention of going back to work full time and that limits what I can do and how available I can be and in terms of trying to find, like if, if a recruiter was looking for someone with my particular skill set, are they going to pick someone who's available to work whenever they want to or whenever or whenever they need them or someone that can only work certain hours on certain days? You know, it's just you're looking at the world in a very different, with a very mm. different lens. So I think that's probably why I freaked out a little bit too because I was like, well, all this time I've spent embedding all this flexibility and trust and all like working with all working on all these relationships. So I have some kind of agency and autonomy um, and say in what happens to me when I get back to work. I've kind of those have kind of fallen away, and that's kind of why I freaked out as well. Mm. And then I realized, yeah, the world's a different place for women that are pregnant, that have babies, and want to prioritize family, but also make time for work at the same mm. time. It's just, it's very different. Mm. I think you have fallen through the looking glass <laughs> because I don't know. I mean, maybe mm. you had already fallen through because you've seen your sister go through it and yeah. your friends, but I certainly hadn't really because most of my friends didn't have kids yeah. yeah, and I hadn't really ever thought about it before. And so when I did have kids, I fell through the feminist looking glass. Like it was like beforehand I was so like, oh, there's no work to be done. Oh, everything's fine for women. I mean, you know, obviously we need equality, but we mm. have equality. It's mm. fine. And I think for women after university, when they come out and they've done really well, often met women scores are even higher than men's oh, after yeah. university. Like they come out kicking ass in the workplace. And I saw, I see that now in women in their 20s. And I just think they don't see it. No. Until, until you actually start to have a family and you, it's like you fall through the looking glass and you go, oh, that's what they were talking mm. about. Oh, okay. So our bodies physically do require time out of the mm. workplace, which is totally fine and great. And it's a privilege to mm. have kids and be able to do that yeah. with our bodies and it's our choice. And it, there's so much that it 
adds to your life and brings to your life and it's incredible. But it is there is certainly a difference for men and women mm. and then you now see why there's so much need for women's rights and this kind of fight for equality to still be in place because yeah. of all of this and all this t- talk we need to have because, yeah, I think before that I hadn't – do you know what I mean? Oh, I really look, I, I agree with you 100% and I think – I mean, I totally, totally agree with you. I also think on some level – those men that are interested in being at home with their families are probably fighting a certain level of dealing with a certain level of misogyny on their end too. Like I, yeah, we, I, I mean, I definitely. personally know of people that are like, stay-at-home dads, and they there's always jokes about them doing the babysitting, or you know, mm. like oh, you're taking care of so and so today. It's like, well, that's your kid, so you should be. And we're, and you know, there's no consideration about whether it's the most pragmatic decision, the best financial decision, mm. the best logistical outcome for both you and your partner. There's just a, a view that oh, well, clearly, you know, you must be having to help out because your partner, your wife, your girlfriend, or whomever is unable to do it because they must be sick or something, you know. It's just it's yeah. a, this assumption. Yeah, so. and they get clapped everywhere too. Mm, like, yes, oh, like, totally. Pat it on the back. Like uh, James is always getting like people up at the shops being like, oh, aren't you a good dad? Yeah. Like I'm just buying some milk. <laughs> and I'm there like, and you see women dragging like three kids <laughs> around the supermarket so I was having a tantrum and everyone's got an eyebrow raised. Like, You're oh. like, mm, can't control your child, yeah. hey. <laughs> yeah, I do think it's changing though. Like, I have a very good friend whose yeah. um, husband has just – decided to be a full-time dad while she she got given a really amazing opportunity work mm-hmm. opportunity so she's working full-time as of next week or th- I think mm-hmm. and it's a really big step so mm. it'll be interesting to see how that goes with the mm. family and how they feel about that but I I, and I do I do think there's dads out there that would love to do that too well I mean are there mm. support groups for dads like you yeah. know there are, are, are groups for women that are set up specifically to help them go like cope with mm. being at home and their lives changing but i mean and i um, i guess i assume guys can go to those but i don't know there seems to be just a i don't know even the way that our systems are set up that's designed to have a particular gender at home doing the domestic labor and Mm. Yeah, having to deal with all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, we should all move to, like, Finland. Oh, I know. <laughs> or Denmark. Yeah. They all yep. seem to get – they all yeah. seem to be doing really well over there. <laughs> One thing I wanted to ask you, what are the things that you are looking forward to about this maternity leave? Trying to sort of figure out – and I, it scares me a lot, but trying to figure out what my identity is going to be or what – post-baby Chanel is going to look like because I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what that will look like and I'm excited and also a bit terrified at the same time. I reckon she'll be fabulous. I hope so. I hope so. She she seemed pretty cute the last time we had a scan. (laughs) No, I meant, well, I meant obviously your yeah. daughter too, but you. Oh, post, you meant me. <laughs> yeah, I meant post-baby Chanel. Oh, thanks. We'll be fabulous. Yeah. I mean, well, and I'm, your baby too. Yeah. She's going to be, oh, my God, she's going to be so super cute. <laughs> How could she not be with you two as parents? <sighs> oh, yeah. But you were like, I reckon you're going to be a kick-ass mum and you'll find a balance between your career and being a mum mm. and how you want to do all of it. I'm sure I think, of it. I mean, there was, I guess the one other thing is I'm very conscious of the fact that, 
when you have idle time, and I know that mums are super busy and I don't mean it that way, I just mean idle time when you're up at night and your baby's not sleeping and you're trying to get them back to sleep and soothe them and things and it's like 3am or 2 o'clock in the morning and the rest of the world is asleep or most of the world is asleep and you have that time to contemplate things. I'm conscious of the fact that I don't want to be the person that all of a sudden is like start stalking people on Facebook and <laughs> puts comments on everybody's Instagram feed. <laughs> and like, oh, she's very available electronically, isn't she? So I'm conscious of that and I'm, yeah, I'm trying to think about ways to kind of, I guess, manage those quiet periods in a way that is constructive and I feel is better for my brain. Not mm. necessarily, you know, I don't want to necessarily like learn to do woodworking or something, but... <laughs> Make a pipe. Yeah. Take up smoking tobacco. But I think just, yeah, trying to find creative, constructive means of sort of using that time where it doesn't make me feel sad or depressed like I'm missing out on the world around me. Yeah. That makes total sense. Mm, Yeah. I reckon, yeah, it's a weird time. I remember mm. that. I'm trying to think what I did. I think I did a lot of emailing, oh, advertising yeah. and building a business. Oh, wow. That's it. very constructive. Wasn't yeah, it? Very constructive. constructive. Um, I think as well, Annabelle Crabb said that really well about having a little break from real mm. life because and not that being with your baby isn't real life, but it's kind of like stepping out of the world for a minute mm. and your brain, because all of that brain power that's taken up with your job and your mm. work is kind of free mm. for the first time in 13 yep. years. And so you have time to really think. And while you're breastfeeding for long periods at 3 a.m., yeah. you can actually have time. Like that's where Planet Broadcasting was born for me mm. because I had all this time to think. Yeah. And some of it was uncomfortable. Yep. And I've noticed actually something has happened to me recently. Brene Brown, I watched her Netflix special. Oh, okay. I recommend It's really yep. cool. But she talks about how her and her husband had like a breakthrough argument, but it happened because they were swimming together in the water and they had quite a bit of time. They sort of had a fight and then kept swimming for a while and then came back together at the end of the swim and then kind of resolved their fight and came to a better conclusion. But she worked out, yeah, right, but she worked out that you couldn't skip the bit where you were swimming and fuming and your brain was kind of going in all different directions. Mm. I'm not sure if this is making any sense. No, no, I know what you mean. The processing time is actually like you're mentally actually doing something even though you think you aren't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's necessary. Yeah. Yeah. And and we don't, like I think we don't, and I think that's a privilege that sometimes women do have when Mm. they're, they've got a newborn. You can kind of step out of your life for a bit and like, think deeply about what it is you want and value and how you want to go back into, you know, doing whatever it is that Mm. you're doing and also having time and sometimes it's uncomfortable and your brain kind of goes, goes a bit crazy because Mm. you're like running on no sleep but also it's looking for things to Mm. grab onto and if for this is my brain anyway, I'm sure other people's is different and has just like a really pleasant cup of tea in there. No, mine certainly doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) I think our brains are the same. It's like what is um, Elizabeth Gilbert talks about our brains being a Labrador. If you don't give it something, it just chews up the furniture. Yeah. Like, you know, digs holes in the garden. That's what my brain does. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But I do think if you let it, it can be a time where you've got lots of time to kind of just think about which yeah. direction you want I mean, to I have to say in. a lot of my colleagues, female like f- female colleagues and also friends have said 
yeah, it was a blessing to almost have that break because I had time to think about what I wanted to do next. Yeah. Um, and for some people, it took them on a different career path. And for some people, it was just progressing in the same career or doing something different or pursuing another artistic endeavor or something creative alongside their actual job. And they had the time to actually think about what it is that they would, in, what would give them some joy. Mm. So, And I guess for women that is like a real blessing because like really, so in my husband's mind, he's like, well, I'm just going to work till I die and that's it, you know, sort of thing. And he is actually very keen to take paternity leave and I think part of it is, well, I hope part of it is wanting to spend time (laughs) with his child. No, I'm sure it is. But I think also for him he, we've been talking about this quite a bit lately, just trying to think about what it is that he actually wants to do because Unless one of us wins Tats Lotto tomorrow or something, we're going to be working for a long time and you need to be able to find something, either a way of of developing comfort and ease with the thing that I guess is your livelihood and allows you to pursue all your other goals or going in a direction where your creativity is your livelihood. So, or somewhere in between, you know, Mm. um, and I think you will want to use that time to think about that as well, which is good. I fully encourage it. I think sometimes... Um, I know for our parents' generation and probably the generation before them, it wasn't really a thing that you could think about very much. You kind of finished school and went to work and then you stayed in the same company for 40 years and then you retired and that was it sort of Mm. thing. And maybe to them we probably look a bit spoiled, like, oh, God, here we go again. The millennials are, oh, what can I do that brings me joy? What is the purpose of my life? Again. Why do I always have to make an impact? Can't I yeah. just do a job and get paid like normal yeah. people? I know. <laughs> exactly. Who talks about that? Oh, Michelle Obama talks about that in Becoming. Mm. She says that, like, her. she said to her mum, she was like in a top law firm, mm. you know, she, her parents come from, came from a very humble background. She worked mm. so hard to get where she was. And then she realized she hated it. It was pushing paper and earning a lot of money, mm. people who already had a lot of money yeah. and just – it wasn't fulfilling her and she said it to her mum and her mum was like, just earn the money first. <laughs> you know, and that makes t- – like, yeah, when you yep. think about – I know. And then you sort of feel like a privileged asshole yeah. because you are in the position to be able to make those choices. And- yeah. But it's important. I think, you know, I think each generation is improving on itself, mm. you know, and we're mm. becoming more and more sort of cognizant of our role in everything mm. and our ability and – kind of responsibility to if we are privileged enough to have the resources to Mm. seek things that can help the planet and also in turn feed you and who you are as a person yeah so it's um yeah this is something i want to talk to you about very quickly yes are we going on to a planet related segue yes we are well done i know i got there eventually okay So recently I've been feeling really frustrated because Mm -hmm. I've been feeling like I'm not doing enough Mm -hmm. for the world in general. Like I've just been feeling like I love that you say stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) No, I know. I mean, it's lovely. (laughs) It's just. (laughs) Don't make fun of me. (laughs) To anyone that listens to this podcast and knows all the things that Claire does for the community. They're rolling their eyes now quietly, but please continue. (laughs) But I don't do that many things. I feel like I was a teacher and I had a really specific role and I felt like I was helping people in that way and Mm -hmm. a part of a community. Mm. And I don't, and I am part of a a community, an online community now, which is amazing and I'm really privileged and it's awesome. 
But I feel like that there's just some really pressing issues. Anyway, over the last week Mm. or so, I've been feeling really restless in that way and frustrated and kind of a bit down Mm -hmm. because I was like, there's so many problems in the world. How do you even begin to think about it? And I think it's because we've been going through the Australian election. Oh, yeah. Right? And there were sort of two fairly uninspiring leaders, both kind of vying for the role of PM. And I just felt like neither party had kind of policy around issues that I really thought were important. Yeah. That I thought were doing enough anyway for the issues that I think are important and are facing our planet. Anyway, and I just was sort of feeling like everything is too big. Mm. What can you do? And then I listened to a bit of Glennon Doyle and a bit of Brene Brown and a bit of Super Soul Conversation mm-hmm. with Melinda Gates. So, oh, okay. Yeah, yep. Who runs the Gates, Bill Gates, oh, mm. is it the Gates Foundation? Bill, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Mm. Anyway, and she was just talking about her work and volunteering and what she's doing. I mean, James and I had this sort of history of doing volunteer work. Yeah, and that's absolutely. how we met. And I haven't done any of that for a long time. And then I was watching Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, who's this, who's that incredible politician mm. from the Bronx who's petitioning the government in the US about climate change and a lot of other issues. Anyway, then I started, I fell down a rabbit hole of starting to look at climate change and oh, the dear. issue. And I yeah. started watching, I watched a film called Before the Flood mm-hmm. with Leonardo DiCaprio and a few other, I watched a speech by Ale- Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez mm-hmm. on Instagram where she was talking about um, how imperative climate change is. And I think that for a long time I'd sort of, I was really into sustainability and into gardening and into like, you know, sort of educating kids on that. That's one of my Mm -hmm. passions. It has been for a long time. Like when I worked in the Indigenous community, I helped them to sort of start a veggie garden up there and I've done it bits and pieces along the way. Mm -hmm. But I sort of had sort of fallen away with it, maybe because I felt like it was hopeless. Yeah. Like we had about 11 years ago, we had Kevin Rudd, that Prime Minister of Australia, come into power on the notion that climate change was the most pressing issue of our generation. Yeah, and he was like people laughed at it, laughed at him, which was just disturbing yeah Yeah. it is right and now we're seeing so many reports that everything that the scientists were saying is sort of coming what a surprise eventuate i know (laughs) who would have thunk it Uh, anyway and and in some cases it's getting it's faster Mm. than they assume like the ice is melting faster than Mm. what initially you know predicted Mm -hmm. all of this brings me to just really realizing that this is the issue for me Mm -hmm. which I, and I'm trying to really think about what I can do mm-hmm. and what we can do to help the planet in that way. And I think particularly when we have kids as well, it's something like, and there are things we can do, but it's trying to find out how to do that. Yeah. And so I have been thinking about doing a podcast about this exact thing. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Because James as well has been getting really angry. He went to bed last night and he said, wake me in four years because <laughs> the PM that got into power last night at the um, yeah. Australian election is a guy who brought a lump of coal into parliament and mm. said, Sue, it's not scary. And he's really a climate skeptic. Yeah. So, yeah, James is just like, everything, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. And, you know, all that stuff. And so, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's not wrong. I'm actually curious. So a lot of... Young, the young people that are really quite incredibly concerned about this are mm. still, but some of them, are, quite a few of them are our age, but a lot of them are high school age. Yeah. And I just wonder in three years when the next 
federal election is held, what kind of um, firstly environmental landscape there will be, like mm. what the earth will actually look like, but also how things, how much things might change because they do have loud voices and they're all very like they're all very smart. They're just not a voting age yet, so they can't right. kick out the people in That's power so that true. don't seem to care about it. And not that I want to wait three years for any kind of change. That sounds awful, but. I think part of the problem is the people with money at the moment are people that are not concerned about, are more concerned about, you know, mm. financial stuff than they are about Yeah, the because world. they're making profits. Yeah. I know. And the whole it's entire hard. world's economy yeah. really, I think, is based around oil and fossil fuels, mm. you know, burn, the burning of fossil fuels. Mm. So yeah, I know that there's a lot of podcasts out there on this and I think there's a lot of information out there on this Mm -hmm. I absolutely do so this is a very selfish thing and I don't know if you feel like this too but I feel like there was and I'm fairly certain this is a fact a really big campaign by people like that who Mm. run and who own mining corporations Mm. and all that stuff to kind of murky the waters Mm. around the science because scientists are are scientist people and generally not very good at conveying they're not good at kind of advertising. Well, right? they're not, they're often, and this is again a huge stereotype, okay, but yeah. they're often not very telegenic or not able to, as you say, like convey a message through the media in a way that's appealing mm. and attractive to people. I like that word, tele. Telegenic. I've never heard that before. It's someone that looks attractive on television. Oh, cool. Do you know what? Do you, I mean, look, yeah. there might be some, but it's, and, and the thing is, the people that you know that work in those kinds of science or evidence based backgrounds that, happen to be like the one person that's attractive tends to be the same expert that gets rolled out every time. Yeah, that's so true, isn't it? Yeah. So, I I mean, yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. It's hard because they they understand the science. It makes sense to them. Mm. But trying to explain it sometimes to a lay person is a difficult task. Yeah, exactly. And I actually do think there was a concerted effort to kind of make it seem like the science – and because science never is 100%, no science is, but, no. They're like, but the scientist I was watching recently said it's like saying, well, no scientist is ever going to say 100% that gravity is true because nothing, nothing in mm. science is 100%. Yes, we are absolutely certain, but no one's going to deny that gravity is a thing. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, and he said that is the same as climate change. Yeah. It's a thing. It's yeah. happened. We can see it. There's actual physical evidence mm. now, you know. And Miami is underwater, mm. as in, you know, they're, put, they're having to physically put in a whole lot of sort of piping and pumps to, to stop streets from flooding. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, less ice in the solar or whatever mm-hmm. they are, the ice caps, all that stuff in Greenland. So it's physically – and we can see more flooding, we mm. can see fires, all of those things. And I think the tendency was to kind of make it seem like it's confusing and mm. maybe it's true, maybe it's not. Maybe it's a bit up by the left. And yeah. Or, you know, all of that kind of and, – and it would be really nice if it was. And I kind of think I sunk into this feeling of maybe it's true but maybe it's not and maybe yeah. it's all a bit over-exaggerated, yeah. you know, yeah. that – and wouldn't it be nice if it was? Oh, well, I have a baby yeah. to feed. Yeah, and I, I think – I mean, I think it is – it feels like such an overwhelming problem that is out of the control of the individual that you don't know what to do so you don't do anything about exactly. it. Exactly. So I'll just make a podcast. Yeah. That, <laughs> the people listen to it, that'll be it. No, no, but I think, really. I mean, the first step is obviously talking about these issues and and mm. speaking to people that know stuff. And, you know, yes, I guess an individual 
um, you could think that an individual doesn't make an impact, but you can think about all the great leaders in our world and the people that have done amazing things. And yes, they probably had support networks, but they've decided actually I need to do something about this. And it has made an impact. So yeah, you've got to start somewhere. <laughs> That's what I think. Mm. And I, I mean, obviously there's so many people out there already doing stuff mm. as well. And there's people much smarter than me who are out there campaigning and there's things that and projects that probably need assistance. Yeah. And so that has to me been the thing that I've sort of come I went to the zoo today with um my little person mm-hmm. and we were walking around looking at these incredible animals mm-hmm. and so many of them, you know, are endangered or under threat or their habitats mm. are under threat. Yeah. And I just I start to get really emotional about it because I think we've got this incredibly beautiful home that we all kind of exist on Mm, and this very, very fragile planet in lots of ways. But there's there's legitimately things out there that we know we can do to help. Yeah. And so I just, especially after last night and I saw this, you know, Scott Morrison get back into power and I I just thought, well, am I going to be a person that sits – on the sidelines and just watches and complains. Mm, I know what you again? mean. Again? Yeah. Or am I going to be a person that at least tries yeah. and gives it a go and probably falls on my face and, you know, all that kind of stuff, but at least I'll be able to say, well, you've tried. I've tried. I'm in the yep. ring. Yeah. So I think, I think I feel like I don't know enough. And I think a mm. lot of people I've spoken to, like you said the same thing, mm don't really know enough or, or almost are a bit scared to find out. Yeah, I mean, I think that would it would make me incredibly anxious. But I, <laughs> but, but, but I think it's necessary to, to have the conversations and contemplate what you can do individually, as a family unit, as a community, as a city, you know what I mean, as a state. Mm. They, this is how this stuff changes. Ha- changes. And, and we've, got, we've still got time. We still yeah. genuinely do have time to change things yeah. and turn things around. I feel like, I'll say you James, I feel like we're at that part of the movie, like in the Avengers, where yeah. like everything's gone wrong and everyone's like, nobody can do anything. And then miraculously it all Someone comes together. Does. Someone yeah. does. And yeah. it's all fine in the end. And I think it, that it can be and it will be if more people who are just kind of like, that's important, but I don't know where to start. Mm. Kind of could find out where to start. Mm. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Mm. I actually, I mean, I have a real thing, and I've always had a thing about being wasteful, and especially when it comes to wastefulness with food. And that's, I mean, it comes it comes partially from you know having parents that didn't have a lot, and they made every dollar work. And I guess you know, originating from Africa where there are lots of starving people and the preciousness of food and how it sustains life and that kind of thing. And I get really irritated and frustrated in myself when food goes to waste. And so even just sort of lately I've been trying to make a concerted effort not to waste things, not to throw things out because there is a lot of stuff that just gets thrown in the bin. And yeah, personally for me, I think that's a small goal. That's something that is achievable and it's somewhere to start. And I'm sure there's lots, or well, there is lots and lots of little ways that you can probably make change in your life, walk or use public transport mm. instead of driving somewhere, yeah. um, consume less or buy less for consumption so you waste less, I guess, in the end. 
looking at recyclable things. I'm a big fan. Uh, so even though I've literally been on maternity leave for two days, I'm now a big fan of Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it is. Well, you can get beautiful things that are pre-loved and, you know, you can give them another home and vice versa. If there's things that you don't want, then somebody else may want them instead of going out and buying something that's mass produced and, yes. you know. Well, look at this studio. These This table is from a recycled place and secondhand furniture in Brunswick. Well, it is lovely. Thank you. And these chairs are from a cat lady in Hugh. <laughs> Who <laughs> was like who someone gave her other chairs for a dining room table and oh. I picked them up at seven PM from Q and drove them home. There you go. And she didn't believe I could fit eight of them in the car and, and I bloody you did. did. Well, I did. Well done you. Yeah. And so exactly right. I mean and even uh, the soundproofing in our studio are mm-hmm. from sound they're seconds. So I went to a place in Thornbury who like they had an end of the line, they had a big order of soundproofing panels mm-hmm. and you know, I still bought them, but they were like reduced slightly because they were seconds. Not being a soundproofing expert, I I have no opinion on it, but I can't tell that it's secondhand, like second stuff. No, it was just because it was like the end of an order and they didn't use all of them. So, And that's the thing. You could have bought a brand new table. You could have got brand new chairs. You could have bought brand new soundproofing and that would have all had an impact on the environment and you've managed to reduce that by making those conscious choices. Correct, and reduce the packaging, right? Mm. Oh, good. Yeah. Packaging. I know. Mm. So I think sometimes there was a quote about – Someone, it was something like if everyone did things imperfectly mm. rather than a couple of people being really super smug and doing it perfectly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm. And I always think that. I think it's a little bit like the way I approach exercise and eating food as mm-hmm. well. Like I'm never going to be perfect, but yeah. I'll do it imperfectly but try and in yeah. the end it makes you healthier than if yeah. you were either like I'm either really perfect or I'm sitting eating KFC at 2, 2 a.m. after never <laughs> yeah. moving off the couch. Which is also great to do sometimes too. But, you know, like you better just do something imperfectly than not do it at all. Absolutely. Anyway, so that's my idea for a podcast. I love it. I just love it. Okay. Would you like to be? I'm totally going to get on board. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. That's what I was thinking because I think we've done Just Make the Thing and we've Mm. talked a lot about Just Make the Thing, Mm. but maybe we could actually make (laughs) (laughs) Like a legitimate thing. That's a novel idea. (laughs) But yeah. No, that's wonderful. I love that. Okay, cool. And James is going to get involved too. I'm bullying him into it. Oh, good one. (laughs) And our fundraising campaign this year is going to be something on climate change. Yeah, awesome. I just have to figure out where and who. Yeah. Which cause? Oh, God, there'd be so many. Right? Mm. So it's all research. So I'm getting my research cap on. Good one. Yep. Yeah. I'm hoping. No, this is not going to be one of those times where I'm like, this is the thing I'm really on board with. The next week I'll be like. So, Chanel, I've been thinking, <laughs> let's do one on women's issues or being a first-time mom or something else. No, because this is a huge issue. Mm, yeah. Anyway, that's all I had to say. Oh, well, that's fantastic. And Thanks, mate. a happy outcome for what is otherwise a disappointing day. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I said that to my husband actually today. I was like, you know, it was going to go one of two ways. I was either going to be surprised and disappointing or disappointed or unsurprised and disappointed. <laughs> Today I'm surprised and disappointed. He's like, oh, great. <laughs> uh, no, I really can't. Because the problem was that Labor, for me, I felt like Bill Shorten, who was the alternative PM, mm. was still was not a very inspiring leader in, no. in who it's, he was I think, either. yeah. And their policies were a bit wishy-washy, particularly on the environment. I mean, better. Yeah. Much better. Yeah, I think 
I think it's hard, um, especially to do politics well in this day and age and be as inspiring as the Bob Hawks and the Gough yes. Whitlams and the Robert Menzies of our previous eras because everything you say and do is captured and then you get trolled by like a thousand yes. million people. And I watched the Bob Hawke documentary. Bob mm. Hawke was a, a, a previous Australian Prime Minister who died actually the day before the election, mm. who was yep. sort of Prime Minister while we were kids yep. in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. And such a larrick and larger than life, but also drank really heavily, not through his premiership, mm. but before and after. Yeah. And someone said there is no way he could have been PM because of all of the terrible things I saw him do drunk. Yeah. <laughs> but because there was no social media, no one captured yeah. it. Yeah. And yep. I, yeah. And then, um, then I thought, I actually don't know if that's true. I mean, for instance, Donald Trump is the leader of the free world mm. and we all have seen and done, seen a lot of things that he's done. I also think people are ready for politicians who aren't cardboard humans, yeah. who are flawed and have thoughts and desires and wants and needs and have made mistakes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I really do think that people are ready for politicians yep. like that. On on sort of a slightly brighter note too, there's been quite a swing towards a, bo- a bunch of independents. I know. I so people that. are starting to feel like, okay, these major political parties who don't want to take a stance on a policy that is important to them, I'll find someone else who actually does want to take a stance. Yeah. And perhaps even though we've got what will have a majority um, conservative government, hopefully they'll have some influence or some input into the development of policy and can maybe change things for the better, even if it's just a little bit. Mm. So that's kind of where I take, oh, dear. <laughs> you know, there's a toddler Sunday. Oh, hello. Hello. Hey, mate. We're nearly finished. <laughs> Oh, you want more Peter Rabbit? <laughs> Not Peter Rabbit. It was too much Peter Rabbit. Oh, All right. Yeah, too much Peter Rabbit. <laughs> oh, All right. We've had dogs and planes and babies <laughs> or toddlers. Or, yeah, I don't know what he is. He's bigger than a toddler now. Oh, I, I forgot to tell you. When I walked in before, I think James was in the bathroom. So I walked in and it was just, it was just Toddler Sunday sitting in the high chair watching TV. And I was like, hey. He's like, hi. And I was like, where is everyone? I was like, where's your mum? He's like, out there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he was so relaxed about the He's whole like, thing. No though. one's supervising yeah. him. That's great. <laughs> Great parenting. He was I mean, totally chill, though. He was not fussed at all. And I was like, I want that kind of kid who's just not worried. He was only not worried because he was in his high chair watching TV. That's his, like, favourite place to be. He'd been at the zoo all day. And so I was. I did say when we got home, if he was really good, he could watch a bit of TV. Yeah. And he was, like, eating and watching TV, which we all know is one of the best things you could do. <laughs> That's how I grew up. Honestly, I know yeah. me too, for better or worse. <laughs> How good is sitting and eating it's awesome. and watching television? <laughs> that is hands down my favourite thing. Oh, yeah. I wish I was one of those people that was like, oh, it's meal times. So we should all just have a conversation about our day. And sometimes I do that, but a lot of the time I just watch. TV and eat. <laughs> yeah, it's so nice. I know. We actually now do have a rule in our house, though, mm-hmm. that at mealtime all devices, TVs are off yeah, and we sit around the table and talk to each other. Important. Yeah. And if I'm home by myself, I'm absolutely eating dinner in front oh, of the television. Yeah. That's <laughs> so my favourite thing to do. And I wish 
there were other things that I could say I loved as much. Oh, I, know. I mean, I do love exercise. I do genuinely. I mm. love gardening and all those things, but they're good for me. Yeah. Sometimes I have been. I have been too. very envious of all these people I've been seeing running into work and cycling and stuff. And I was like, oh, look at those people running. And my husband's like, you never ran before. What are you good? I was like, but I could. I would do it if I could now. You like, would. <laughs> but you were yogering a lot. I like, was. I was. I was. Mo- well, look, let's be honest. I was moving fa- in a far more coordination, coordinated and less, I don't know, uh, waddly fashion. I was going to say elephant. Yeah. I'm like, I don't mean that you look like yeah, an I elephant. I <laughs> I know it because that's how I felt, I remember. Because <laughs> I'm like that. I, I love moving all the time. Mm-hmm. That was the thing I found hardest. I did find so many lovely things about pregnancy yeah. and having like a little person inside you is just like amazing yeah. and incredible. Yeah, oh, exceptional feeling and I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't having experienced it now, wouldn't want to give it up. Like I wouldn't want to hand it over to my partner. I'd actually, as much as I complain about it, I have really very much enjoyed it but – there are aspects to it which aren't the funnest. No, and that was the thing. I used to get mm. so jealous of people running. But yeah. I get jealous of people running now. <laughs> I love I, – that's how yeah. much I love it. Yeah, that's but awesome. I, and I've started to get back to it a little bit, mm-hmm. but a combination of fear of falling on my face. Oh, I nearly – okay, we really have to finish. We've been for an hour. If you could cut this out, please. <laughs> I yelled at a woman at the gym today because she nearly kicked me in the face by accident. Oh, my God. I, when, and when I yell, when I yell, I said – excuse me in a loud voice and then i asked her if she could move up and i had also she nearly kicked you in the face so i think it warrants yeah and it was like being resident at least yeah Yeah, because i was i go to a gym with lots of circuits Mm. and i was kind of doing a plank up on my hands Mm -hmm. and she was doing like an activity in front of me where Mm. you like lean forward and kick your back leg up so Mm -hmm. she couldn't see me but she'd let she was so far back from the weights that her back leg like basically got went over my mat and almost kicked me in the face and my my face cost a lot of money (laughs) with my teeth thing it's a lot but not even only that but I just have this real paranoia now about anything to do with my face and so I really got pretty cross that's okay I think it's totally warranted yeah but that's also why I feel jealous of people running because they're like look so free especially in autumn autumn is a beautiful it is it really is I would agree with that I love it Anyway, we should finish. It's over an hour. Okay. We've covered and saved the planet. We've dealt with your impending or no, your actual maternity yep, leave. Yeah, my neuroses about that situation. Cool. We've solved paternity and maternity leave We have. Issues. Yep, definitely. We've debriefed about the election. Mm-hmm. We've predicted who, what things might change in the future. So Correct. We've talked like- about how terrible parents Jason and I are. <laughs> no, not To neglect all. our son. <laughs> It was literally like <laughs> 10 seconds. It was literally not even. <laughs> that is true. Correct. But I, I think we've solved the world's issues yep. now. Yep. Good. Okay. Job done. Job done. <laughs> now we just have to come up with a title okay. for my Save the Planet podcast. Mm. Our Save the Planet podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Sunday Save the Planet podcast. Mm. I don't know. We will find a name for it. That'd anyway. Awesome. See you, Chanel. Okay. Bye, Claire. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to a podcast called Just Make the Thing with me, Claire Tonti and Chanel Luchev. This show is, as always, edited by the incredible Raw Collings. And for more shows just like this one, you can head to planetbroadcasting.com. We have loads of shows to choose from if you're into comedy or more straight journalism or film and comic books and TV shows. So we're over there. 
And more from me, you can head to at Claire Tonti on Instagram. That's my social media of choice. That's like where I like to tell stories and and drop things that I've been thinking about um, during the week. I'd also love to hear from you at justmakethethingpod at gmail.com if you'd like to email with any questions. That would be awesome. And send this show to a friend or maybe to a family member or your partner, someone that might be a bit stuck in their creative endeavor. We've got lots of episodes that might help you get that thing done that you've always wanted to get done. All right. Have a great week and I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.